and welcome to episode 30 of Girl Mode. I'm one of your hosts, Robin B. And I am your other host, Willa Rowe. I just want you to know, I almost just said, I'm one of your hosts, Willa Rowe. <laughs> and that's... That's not how, true. Yeah, no, that's where my head is today. That's that's how prepared I am for this recording. Awesome. That's bears well. Yeah, but fortunately, um, we have a lot to talk about this week, so I don't yeah. need to think too hard. Of course, the, the news that do. everyone is talking about, the biggest game event of the ever, ever? Ludonericon. <laughs> yes. I was setting up a thing. Tears of the Kingdom come out this week. We're not going to talk about it. Okay, I legitimately forgot. I didn't yeah. know you were talking about I was like, what What else could have happened this no. week? I We haven't played it. Whatever. Maybe we'll talk about it one day. But yeah, I, like genuinely the thing that we, I think we both were way more excited for was uh, Ludonericon, which is a, I think, yearly thing that happens on Steam. It's hosted by the, the publisher Fellow Traveler, who publishes a lot of narrative games uh including our beloved citizen sleeper mm-hmm. uh but it's like you know a week-long thing where there's just a ton of demos for games that they're publishing that are coming out soon we were both quite excited about it and so we both got a chance to play actually quite a few demos uh over the course of the week and uh i imagine we have uh thoughts about many of them and Indeed. perhaps some of those thoughts are even interesting <laughs> so we're gonna just kind of take these in the order that Willa happened to type them into our Google Doc. There's no rhyme or reason to this. Uh, I should also say just real quick, by the time this comes out, the end of these dem- this demo period will officially be over. But sometimes these demos will also stick around. Like some of them might still be available. I think that kind of just depends on like what the what the developers decide to do. So you might be able to still get demos for some of these. Uh, and if not, there's a lot of them that we recommend you check out anyway. So to start us out, Willa, you have decided that we're going to be first talking about mid-autumn. Yeah. Do you want to start us off with this one? The way I talk about it is it's like a Hades-like game, which is, I know, That's no, what here's I the thought. thing. Because, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't be inclined to say it's a roguelike, because mm. that's technically the genre, but I think it's a Hades-like. Yeah. And genres are imaginary. It's yeah, because basically it's like you're this person and they're home for they're like staying with their grandmother and you become like a guardian of some kind. You're, you have special powers and then you have to go into like the spirit world and clear rooms that are randomly generated until you reach a boss and then you go to the next place and you get boons in rooms from Mm -hmm. you know like spirits and gods and stuff so it's 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 like hades yeah um i i mean so for me i play this this is a game that i've been like interested in i've heard about it a lot and i was like okay i i would like to try this then i played it and i was immediately kind of like eh, not my thing it's a little boring yeah i mean i i was interested in this one too i think the more i played it the more i enjoyed it i was very confused at first like the 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 combat is very complicated i think it's it's really interesting and yeah i liked it more after i had played it a little bit and kind of got used to it but there's this strange system where like you can only attack after you have collected this like energy that like sometimes is like flying around the arena and sometimes you get by absorbing attacks from enemies i could not get a hang of this combat it was so frustrating and then then there's this like rot mechanic yes if you collect too much at a time, you like take damage 
And if you take damage while you're holding any of the energy, you also get this thing. It's very complex. It's like very, very high speed and very, mm -hmm. um, very much about dashing around the arena and stuff. One of the biggest problems I ended up having in combat was like, it's very difficult to read enemy animations. Yeah. And they can kind of like jitter at you from like across the entire screen and then hit you. So it's very tough, like for something like this, that is so much about managing whether or not you're getting hit. That made it tough to do. I also like there's just not much story in the in the demo, which was frustrating because that's like, I mean, that is the appeal of like all of the games that are in this this little festival. What was there seems interesting. It's a story about like you go back to your hometown um, to find it's like becoming gentrified and you're like learning about the, the town's history from your grandmother and from other people who live there. Like there's a there's a bit early on where you or I mean, at any time you can go into like a building in town and there's like a, a mural or something that's painted in honor of like the people who built the town who are now completely like er basically being erased from history. And this thing that was like the site of a fish market, the whole town was based around is becoming like a bougie shopping mall. So there's, you know, definitely elements in there talking about that idea of gentrification and like the ways that you know a town can transform over time and lose its identity but there just wasn't enough of it in the demo for me to really like get a get a real hold on yeah and that i mean that's kind of my takeaway too is it's like i am playing most of these games for the narrative element and like that just wasn't there for this demo particularly mm -hmm. maybe maybe i'll check it out when it comes out fully but we'll see it's yeah. also a game that's currently in early access which like, man, the Hades parallels, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's like one of the things about that is that there's not much of the actual story to enjoy. And that's what I'm going to that's what would hook me to this game more. So mm -hmm. for now, I'm like, it's whatever. Yeah, it's something that might be like worth keeping an eye on. But as of now, it's kind of hard to say how it'll even come out. A game, a demo that was all story, though, and one that I know we were both also <laughs> pretty excited to play uh, is Goodbye Volcano High. Uh, which this debuted, I think, in like a, um, or at least there was a trailer at one point in like one of those Nintendo Indie World showcases that was mm -hmm. like very attention grabbing. One of many games coming out this year about a, it's a like rhythm narrative game about a band that is struggling with, you know, trying to make it. This one starring dinosaurs. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Yeah, who are like trying to start a punk band and like also survive their senior year of high school, which is very interesting. So yeah, it's like part rhythm game, part visual novel. I'm interested to hear your take on it because I know like you and you played it together with Zoe and you seem to have had a, a good time with it. Yeah, I mean, so this is a game that I think is is very interesting. It's had a very troubled development. Like they had mm. to do, they kind of had like a, a whole relaunch of the game at one point because one of the head developers kind of like left but I've been really interested in it and um, I really liked it. And one of the things that like it gets a lot of comparisons to, at least in my mind, is We Are OFK from last year, which is like, again, like you're saying, it's one of those games where it's like queer centric story that uses rhythm and like visual novel, like storytelling and tells like a very emotional story of like finding your place and also trying to like make your mark with your art. And the thing that I hated about we are OFK when i reviewed it is that for a story about artists trying to make it i thought the music sucked so when the narrative tried to be like you guys are doing so great listen to your amazing music i was like but it's terrible and then the second i started uh goodbye volcano high i was like this music fucks hard yeah the music does fucking rip even just in this the little bit of it that's in this demo it's it's 
like for me that was the that was definitely the highlight of the demo was yeah. just the music so like i really loved the rhythm aspect i think it took me the first time it happens it took me a second to get like into it but i like that it's a little more involved than other rhythm games that i've <laughs> played with like narrative elements because it still made me feel involved with the music and then i just I like the story. I think so far the writing feels pretty earnest and like it's not falling too much into like tropes. And I also really like they do some elements of like visual novel choices. But there's like these great moments where um, the main character Fang at one point, they're like having kind of like a lot of anxiety about saying something. And then all the choices start like mixing up and like going away and you're like not able to choose like the quote unquote good choices and stuff. And I thought that was a really nice touch. So mm -hmm. they're like little elements that I'm really interested in so far that yeah. the demo kind of like hooked me with. There's another point in the demo on the like that narrative choice, that dialogue choice thing where you're like, you know, you're student in school and you're you're like on your cell phone in class and your teacher tries to take it away and you can choose to like just give it to her or to resist but to resist you have to actually kind of yeah i think there's like a you have to like mash the button or something like yeah it actually like fights you like you have to like really really want it to make it work mm -hmm. and i thought that was extremely clever along with that that like anxiety thing and those are those are really cool twists on like a thing that like every game has now uh it was very like it's just something that i have like never seen like mechanized in that way another thing that it does often is there it be it's like a, on a timer like you only have a couple seconds to shoot make choices which i think is an interesting idea to represent that idea of like sometimes you need to make this snap decision and and whatever but i think it's also it felt very quick like you didn't have a lot of time and it just seems like I honestly a bit of an accessibility issue where like if you can't read all of the choices in that amount of time and like get to the button you want to like you're being punished for like not being able to do that which feels Was there weird a setting for that at all i'm not sure i didn't i would i would imagine that that would be something that would be added at least in the final release yeah but it did really stick out to me in most games that have a mechanic like that yeah so hopefully. so yeah it just stuck out of something to me that's like a cool mechanic but i hope that they're thinking about that aspect of it mm -hmm. i think i was i was definitely less positive on it than you were mm -hmm. i enjoyed it but i just like everything felt just like a little off to me like the writing like well i think it's good it feels very much like kind of like teen drama writing where it's like yeah maybe just a little too on the nose the rhythm i do really enjoy that so the rhythm is like there's like multiple different kinds of input coming. Mm -hmm. So there's like notes coming from like either side of the screen that you have to hit certain buttons for. And then there's a different mechanic of these like arrows coming down that you have to time. And then others, we have to hit buttons on the beat. And I really like that there was like, you were doing different things because it did make it feel a little more like you're playing a song where it's not just, you don't play a song just by hitting a, a button over and over. Like there are these different sort of physical ways that you're moving the controller that I thought was really interesting. It felt a little weird to me, like the the timing on the what the button presses coming from outside the screen felt a yeah. little weird to me. Yeah, and also that. when you hit the notes, it just makes this sort of like muted tambourine sound that doesn't go with the music. And it just it made me feel like when I hit the notes correctly, it was like messing up the way the song sounded. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really odd. So it's just things like that where it feels like it's almost there with just like a little bit of tweaking. All of those things would work for me. They were just like the tiniest bit off. And I think honestly, part of that is like, it feels like in a way they like might have bitten off a little more than they can chew because it's like every single scene in this game is fully animated, mm -hmm. fully voice acted, and it has like original music and this rhythm game. Like it's like 
the budget of like both time and money that went into this game, I can't even imagine because it's like it's an unbelievable amount of work to fully voice act and animate like all of these things. Like most visual novels don't do that for a reason. Like that's why they have still characters and like tend to have limited voice acting. So it's really cool to see them going for it. It just makes me hope that they're able to like see that through and that they didn't like shoot themselves in the foot by like trying too much. But if it does work out. It's like kind of an incredible feat. On that note, it's like there's probably a reason they've had to delay this game like three times in between the demo coming out. And now they announced that they were delaying the game again because it was supposed to come out in June and then they delayed it to August 29th. You hope it comes together. I'm (laughs) I'm a little more hopeful than you i can i know that but uh yeah but i mean we'll see yeah i mean i hope it does like i'm i'm it's something i'm looking forward to i just i hope they stick the landing on it i think i'm like interested in it more right now because um i was excited by the idea that we are ofk had Mm -hmm. and i thought the delivery was like not great so i'm so far what this game has shown me is enough to get me excited about it and hope that it is gonna deliver that so we'll see we will see uh the next one is another one that i know (laughs) You were very excited for it because you were mad when I got to play it like six months ago before you. Yeah, uh, I was... this, this is a uh, Demon School by Necrosoft Studios. I was so upset about this because for the longest time before this demo came out, I think most people at Inverse had played this. Like yes. you had played it, <laughs> Jess had played it, Joseph had played it, and I had it. And I was so mad and I kept vocalizing it on Twitter mm-hmm. because I was just so upset because I am and so excited for this game. Yeah, and to you personally. I think I said this in our like beginning of the year episode. This is probably my most anticipated game of the year. I'm so excited for it and I finally got to play it and I'm looking forward to it. It was good. It was fun. Yeah, worth the wait. Yeah, I like the combat. I think the combat is really fun. I'm really excited to get a handle on the like tactics, kind of like strategy gameplay. One of the little things I love is that you plan it out. Like you have your planning phase and then you have the action phase and everybody just moves at once and it's like this cool mm-hmm. little fight scene yeah i like that a lot but uh the characters also seem really fun i'm i'm like really excited for the world yeah so when i the reason i got to play it was i wrote a little preview i got to interview the the, the director brendan of of the game and we we talked a lot about like the sort of influences that went into it because there is like there was a lot of talk about like persona it feels very persona it feels very like you know all of that kind of stuff and it just felt like there was more to it than that and so they were you know he was talking about how that was kind of inspired by things like suikoden the like planning phase of things and then the action phase or it is really cool you see especially because in demon school so much of the combat is about how your characters interact it has a very interesting system where it's like your movement you don't like do separate attacks you like just move into an enemy to do an attack. And if there is like another one of your characters on the other side, you will push the enemy into them and they'll do like this team up attack, which is very cool. So it's a lot about like how your movement affects those things. So it like makes a lot of sense for that like action phase to play out. And it's just really cool to see it all happen at once. And also uh, because I got to do the interview, I got to like, he also played a little bit of the demo first to like show me how to play. It's a thing. It's a system that kind of takes some getting used to, but like, Mm -hmm seeing somebody else play it or just playing through the demo a couple times you and you get a feel for it, it's like a really really interesting system and i'm I'm very eager to see like what they do with it something that i got really satisfied with was uh there was this attack that i ended up pulling off a few times it was really fun where there's the one character who if you move into an enemy you like basically swap places mm-hmm. it's namako i love her yeah namako and then the main girl uh 
if you move into an enemy, you just like push them. And so what I would do is Namako would go up, switch places, and then the main girl would go up to that enemy, push them, and then it squishes them between Namako and her. And then they do like a special attack. So great. I also like that there's like there's not an HP system or anything. It's just like if you get hit like three times, it's that. And I, there's something simple about it yeah. but that I find really it's like easy to understand, but it makes the like the strategy that much more fun to plan out. We talked about it in the interview as well, where it's just like they they I think they kind of toyed around with how they should do it. And it's like because the strategy of it and the movement and all that is so precise, it just made more sense to have like three HP is kind of like the most you're going to see on like most standard enemies. And also, yeah, like you said, the world and the characters are really fun. There's these little side quests that like all they do is just like give you these cool little character stories like they aren't really for anything. They're just like. You just go and talk to someone and have this little thing. I think it shows how much they are putting forward, like their relationships between these characters, whether it's like it is as important as your character progression is like the way that these kids interact. And it's just like it's super, just super funny writing and just like hence tons of character. One of the reasons I like the world a lot is because like as a Persona fan, one of the biggest things that like we complain about a lot is like there's a desire to kind of see the franchise grow up a little bit because it's Mm -hmm. always high school stories and stuff something I like about it. Demon School is like, it's it's just a little bit more. They're all in like college, which is fun. They're a little bit more adult. There's a little bit more adult relationships and stuff like that. Even more than just having persona influence, you can feel the like Shin Megami Tensei influence, which is like a little more, a little more dark, a little more gritty. And I really like that balance. But yeah, Demon School, still good. Still excited about it. Can't mm-hmm. wait for it to release. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, also one of my most anticipated of the year. The next we have here on our randomly ordered list is uh, Harmony, The Fall of Reverie, which is this Don't Nod? It is. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. So this is Don't Nod, who like are mostly known for doing like Life is Strange and stuff like that and those games. And the kind of conceit of this is you are this character who through like whatever story beats gets the ability to kind of like see different futures and like try to plan out different futures to like choose the best path forward and so basically a lot of the like game's little story beats take place and they're all laid out on like a timeline that branches across Mm -hmm. sometimes you can view both sides but you have to end up choosing like one path and it's it's a very interesting like the whole narrative starts because she needs to try to find her mom is the whole thing but then like a lot more supernatural stuff and like mm-hmm. political tech espionage and stuff like happens. It's very interesting. Yeah. How did you feel about that story chart thing? So I have to say the thing that I didn't love is the story chart was like fine. I f- I'm I'm hoping in a way as it opens up more because yes. my biggest gripe with this game and it happens a lot with games that are about choice. It's like the idea of, well, you decide fate, you get to choose what you want to do. But the way the game has it is it's like you have to collect a certain amount of like gems or whatever for each god character that is in Mm -hmm. the game in order to unlock like certain outcomes. And it's the Mass Effect system problem of if you tell people that you have to collect a large amount of something to get to a certain outcome, then you kind of take away the real choice that comes with going through the narrative and you just players early on kind of have to decide I'm just gonna 
go hard on like the bliss path or the power path or the bond path. Because if you if you do too much, like going back and forth between other people, you kind of lose out on any big decision. Mm -hmm. And that that turns me off. I don't love that. Yeah, I had the exact same complaint about it. Um, And also just like it is yeah it's this thing that's laid out it's almost, it's almost like if you've ever made a twine game where you can see the kind of like ways that nodes are laid out and stuff that's absolutely what it is where it, it just feels a, at this point it feels a little overcomplicated mm-hmm. where it's just like if you're just making these choices like why do i need this big game board going on which might make more sense when things get more complicated and i imagine there's probably more branches and stuff so maybe it'll eventually like start to make sense for me but it, it, when i was playing it i was also just like this just feels like overly complicated and like over just it's presented in a way that is just like kind of feels like it's adding more stress to the process than there needs to be but again that, that could shake out later on the other thing that i like the first thing that really struck me was how much it's cribbing from sandman like I'm so happy the, you said this the characters the like godlike characters i forget what they're called in this the but aspirations. they are aspirations the aspirations they are just the endless they are literally the en- and not like, even bliss just in is concept. delight power is power destruction is distru- like it's, it's i'm so kind glad of you unbelievable. said this <laughs> i am so happy you said this because i was losing my mind about this i was oh my god i couldn't believe it. i was like oh you're just straight up cribbing Sandman. Like the character like, designs are very much the very, very similar. There's even some imagery with bliss around like these like multicolored fish, which was like I one know. of Delight's things. Oh, and then at, you meet Truth at one point and they uh-huh. remind me a lot of Destiny. Their destiny yeah. They literally have a book that holds the like fate of the universe. It's yeah. like, guys, if you're going to crib something, maybe also don't make it one of the most like best written comics in history by a very prolific writer. Like you're not and doing use the exact favors. same aesthetic, like which yeah. like that art was also very central to that. It was it was very this was feels a big like turn it's, it's like me. more than homage. Like it's yeah. it's definitely crossing the line for me. Yeah. It was one of the things where like I think I came away my the thing I liked the most about this game was I liked the art. The art and the performances are were fantastic stunning. in the demo. They are really, really great. But the things that I didn't like is the straight up cribbing of Sandman and the fact that it does feel like there's way too much mm-hmm. and it's overcomplicated for no reason. And I also felt that way about the story because like there's a lot going on. They kind of like poise it as, oh, there's two things going on. There's your mother is missing. And there's also this like slow takeover of this island by a tech industry, like a tech giant who's like starting to do surveillance and they own like the police and all this stuff. And it's like clearly they're connected and stuff, but you're supposed to kind of choose one path or the other. And I was also like... They weren't really compelling. I also have to say, for me, at the beginning, the story of like the relationship between Polly and her mother is not compelling enough for me. So this is this is what has turned me off of it for the from the demo at least. Yeah, I do. I definitely. I think the like tech giant stuff is interesting. Like you, like you meet your friend Polly early on, who was like close to your mother, um, like closer than you were. I mean, Nora. Sorry, yeah, you, you meet your friend Nora. You, your character is Polly. You're, she meets her friend Nora, who was closer to Polly's mother than Polly was. And Nora is talking about, like, she has an interview with this tech giant. And one of the early choices you make is whether to, like, support her and be like, yeah, you, like, this job will help you get out of here and, like, make a future. Or to tell her, like, 
don't go work for them, like they're evil and so on and so forth. And I did like that, that side of it presenting that tension because like, that's a real thing. Like mm-hmm. if you're working in this, if you're living in this place is like economically depressed and a company like Amazon or Google or whatever comes up, it can be extremely compelling to go like get a job for them because they're going to pay better than like working at the gas station, which is like maybe your only other option. And it's like a real thing. Like, like, I mean, here in Pittsburgh, there's like a Google office and they were like trying to open like an Amazon HQ and stuff like that. And like, that's a choice that people like actually have to make. And it is like, it's easy to be like, look at it from the outside and say like, well, those companies are evil, so you shouldn't work for them. But if your other option is to lose your apartment, then like, that's something you have to deal with. And I do like that that was how that was presented. And it wasn't it wasn't just this black and white thing where it's either like be the good guy and tell Polly to like not not join the corporation or be evil and tell her to do it. That does also make me wonder, though, how much it's going to both sides, everything like there is a point at which there is a difference between good and bad decisions. And like, yeah. if they're going to make it that way about every choice, then I think that's also going that's going too far and just saying like, well, everything's valid, you know. So there's like, I don't know, there's a lot of room for this this to kind of fall apart a bit but i think there's also room for it to be great like i'm really compelled by it like i would i would definitely mm-hmm. like to play it and see how it plays out i think it's maybe one of the demos that i played the most that like made me more interested in the game the most yeah. because of this because of all of this tension like i think mm-hmm. it could be really great and i think it could also fall apart and it will be very interesting to see which way it sort of tilts yeah the next one was one i know you were kind of excited about which was a star named eos eos yeah <laughs> It's one I didn't actually know about beforehand. I just saw it pop up in the demo list and I, I saw that there was a photography mechanic. I think I you think, actually told me there was a photography yeah, mechanic. I think I saw it had a photography mechanic and I was like, oh, this is some Robin shit. Mm-hmm. And it was some Robin shit. So, yeah, it's another uh, actually similar to uh, Harmony. It's another game about uh, looking for your mom. Yeah, you you play as this kid who is like his. I, I think he's. I think he's gendered male. I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty sure there's he references is, he to. Is. Okay, it was oh, it was legitimately funny. I was playing this like I was playing most of these on the couch, and they they say that it's like oh you, like you're my son or something. Okay, and Zoe just stopped and she was like we're a we're a boy. <laughs> oh no, get us out of here. <laughs> but yeah, you're this you're this kid who's like his mom is a photographer and she like inspired you to also kind of like take up photography. You seem you're like sort of following in her footsteps and trying to like like become a photographer yourself and like make make a make your own your own art. But it's it's basically like a sort of point and click and not what we think of as like point and click adventure though. It's a I don't know, more of a puzzle game. It's like a point and click find a puzzle, do the puzzle game. I don't know how yeah. to describe it. It's like I mean, you're in a room and basically you can use the mouse to look around the room. And you can click on certain objects and it's like there are puzzles throughout the room and you basically need to kind of like find the solutions. But it's not like a point and clicky like, you know, oh, I need to use this item to unlock this. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I can look at this item to see that there's this pattern or something. And I know that pattern is used to unlock this puzzle. For example, you need to open like a lockbox and there is this like flower petal design on it. And if you look at the storybook you have, there are all these characters who have that same design on them with one of those petals highlighted and then there's a page missing and you have to find that through another puzzle but you you put these things together and use that to open the thing and i think it's the kind of puzzles that i often find are irritating because it's just like find this random clue in the environment and use it to open this other puzzle and it doesn't make a lot of sense but i think it actually does make sense in this context because it's a game about nostalgia and it's a game about your past and it's a game about how you are like 
missing your mom and like how important she is to you and all of these puzzles at least in this first section are about your relationship like it's the storybook that your mom gave to you so it's important to you so it makes sense that this lock on this other box is set to that because it's significant to you or there's like a safe that is set to like your birthday on the day of the, the year that she gave you a camera which is very important to you so it's puzzles that in another context i think could feel very random but in this context it actually does kind of help tell the story and like tell you where the character is like that these things are so important to him that they become the clues the sort of goal of this first section is to recreate this photograph that your mother made and it's just like all of these puzzles eventually get you to set up the scene and like take the photo and it's it's just another like again a comment that i wrote about almost every game in this thing was like the art is phenomenal the music is fantastic. Like it's just, it's just gorgeous to look at and to play. Yeah, I'm interested in how how you feel though. I, I feel like I was much more positive on this one than you are. You definitely were. Like I, the puzzles were fine for me. I thought they were kind of like it. Really did feel like a puzzle where I didn't feel necessarily too much joy in figuring them out because I hmm. was just like, it's just I'm going through the steps that I know are there, and uh, like something that happened is. There were things that I knew I had to do, but it wouldn't let me do them. I found the flower first that you can put in the vase. And I was like, I know I'm going to have to put this in there and move it. But it like wouldn't let me do that until I finished something else. And I was just like annoyed with that. And um, something that I was thinking is like, I feel like the the photography element to me didn't track with the majority of what this mechanically is. Like the majority of this game is about puzzle solving, not via photography even though most of the narrative is about this idea of photography and nostalgia and how it connects you and your mother. But I was just kind of like, it's only for these little last moments where I feel truly the photography element and that through line of the theme. I also feel like, uh, and this is, I'm very pessimistic, I know, but it's like the, the narrative to me, I felt was like really basic. And it was almost like, I just feel like almost they had the mechanical ideas first and then they made this kind of like cookie cutter story after of like you're chasing your mother through these photos and I just feel like I know where it's going and I'm just yeah. kind of like yes yeah. and I'm just like it's fine I don't I'm not compelled to to play the rest of this game yeah I mean the story yeah I mean I think you're right like I don't expect to be surprised by how it plays out but it's just the emotion for the for for me was enough to drag me through that it is like it is this very kind of like Maybe a little saccharine, but this this very sweet story that I that I appreciated. I don't know if it's going to be much deeper than that, but I think it's like just a kind of like, I don't know, it feels like a very cozy thing to me. Uh, and sometimes that's that's plenty. So I, I definitely am looking forward to this game. I, it's, it's one that I wish listed after playing the demo. So I'll be I'll be very eager to play more. And again, like it is just so gorgeous that I want to just see more of it. Yeah, I really I really dug it. So everybody take a deep breath. Pour yourself a big glass of water. It's time to wind up the little key in Will's back and, yeah, and let know. her run gonna, for I'm a while. I'm going to have a sip of water just to like prepare myself for this one. Yeah. <sighs> Good water. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about Stray Gods, a role playing musical. Okay. This is a game that I have known about for a very, very long time. And I have had a lot of thoughts about it because, as someone who my two main interests in life, <laughs> Are video games and, and theater. women and, and women. Yes. Which this game does have women. It's true. But uh, that's one of my favorite parts about it. 
But like my main interests are video games and theater. And I've written a lot about how these two mediums interact. And I really like when they do. And the idea of doing a musical game is very fascinating. And Stray Gods is not that. I don't like it. I think it's bad. But the biggest thing that I came away with is that it's bad in the most boring, unoriginal way. It's just uninteresting. And similar to Harmony Fall of Reverie, I feel like every aesthetic and narrative choice about this game is specifically just cribbing other pieces of media. Mm-hmm. Basically, the, the, the pitch for Stray Gods is like, you are this woman, Grace, you're in a band, and... This stuff starts happening and you are thrust into the world of like the the Greek gods and Greek mythology. And there's a lot of song that happens. This is what like leads you to, you know, you guys are singing and there's songs that she sings like she sings a song in the opening of this demo. And that's kind of the plot. And here are my thoughts on this. Number one. It's really hard. It, this is the we are OFK problem. It's really hard to do a do a game or any piece of media about like songs and stuff like that, when the songs are bad. Mm-hmm. Stray God's songs are terribly written. They're very basic. They're very boring. And it doesn't help that nobody in this cast knows how to sing. And here's the thing. There are two different styles of singing. And especially if we're talking about theater history, you have the traditional theatrical song voice, which is like, if you want to think about like, you know, Rogers and Hammerstein style. And then you have a more modern grounded way to sing that's more influenced by like modern pop or even rock and stuff like that. Stray Gods leans more to the modern style of like a rock kind of like or indie, you know, influence. Folky also like a folky influence. The thing is, none of these people can sing. And I'm sorry, but literally none of them can sing. It's the it's the problem that movie adaptations of popular musicals have where they all choose stars to star in them. But none of those Mm -hmm. celebrities can sing when you could have just asked Broadway people to do it. And for Stray Gods, they just have this is basically the critical role group also. Like yeah. if you watch Critical Role, like Laura Bailey. Yes, you have a question, Rob. I do just want to say I did like Grace and Calliope. Okay. That's it. I just wanted to say that. You're you're entitled to your opinion, I guess. Fine, but like on. it's, you know, Laura Bailey is there, Ashley Johnson is there, Troy Baker is gonna be there, because they all fancy themselves singers when uh, truthfully none of them are. And none of them are theatrical singers. They don't have the presence to like to use song to tell emotion. They really don't. So this is one of the things that just I it, it took me out of it. Like the first time you get to the song, I just sat there and I was like, oh, this is just bad. And See, it's the, sung the first scene, which was just Grace and Calliope, I was like, OK, maybe this this will actually work. There is something interesting to me about essentially you're just making dialogue choices which is something that happens in a lot of rpgs but like basing the entire game around that and the idea of like constructing a song through those choices i think is conceptually very interesting Mm -hmm. so i saw in that first scene like the seeds of like there could be something interesting here but then yeah when it switches into like the second song and you see like how it kind of plays out more i was like for one it felt like everybody was singing a sort of different style Mm -hmm. and so it would just kind of switch back and forth between styles in a way that I found very jarring. Mm -hmm. And also like the choices don't seem to build on each other in any meaningful way. So it's like, it just gives you these choices and you keep making them. And then 
you'll sing this part. And then it just feels like whatever they were, the other character was going to sing next, they just sing next regardless. And then it keeps giving you... So you basically choose to side with one character or another and like sing in support of them. But it didn't seem to matter that you did that. And at the Mm -hmm. end, you could just choose anyone anyway. So it, it didn't like build up to really a coherent song mm-hmm. right it was just something that if you just you could just keep switching between the two and then that was just what the song was and it didn't f- yeah i don't know it didn't feel like a fully realized mechanic to me yeah that was kind I, of my biggest complaint about it i agree with that like wholeheartedly like i have a lot of problems with this game conceptually on higher levels but i do think like moment moment to moment play is also just not exciting yeah i will point out like so one of the big big problems for me also is i do feel like this takes this takes heavy influence nearly to the point of cribbing two pieces of media specifically in my opinion which is the comic wicked and divine which is essentially a comic about what if gods were rock stars essentially and there's the style of it is basically what straight gods is doing i actually came across a tiktok just when i was watching tiktok and it was the artistic director talking about influences and he mentions wicked and divine Mm -hmm. um and i'm like yeah you you sure did take a lot of influence on it based on like how you're melding gods with like certain personas of like rock stars and singers um there's that and then from the musical theater perspective this story about like a journey into Greek mythology where there's kind of like there's a guide character. It almost seems like from the second song, there's there's all these elements and it's it feels like it's cribbing Hades Town, which is a a very well received um, musical that is currently still on Broadway, but it came out a couple years ago and it's stylistically heavily pulling from that as well. And again, it's the same problem I had with Harmony Fall of Reverie. Nothing that Stray Gods is doing is in any way more interesting than what either of the medias it's invoking does. Coming away from the demo, I was kind of like, I (laughs) I don't see much hope for this game. I will say um, playing this within like a day of playing uh, Goodbye Volcano High, I was like just very much struck by how much like it's just Goodbye Volcano High seems to be doing a very similar thing, just more successfully of of blending like music with with, you know, these kind of dialogue choices. Yeah, again, I don't know. Like I I'm definitely not as I don't have as strong of a feeling about it (laughs) as you do. I don't really feel good about it in any way, but I just for me, it just kind of fell flat. Whereas for you, it seems like it was like actively offensive. Indeed. But it's yeah, I don't know. Conceptually, I think there is something there. That idea of composing a song on the fly through these dialogue choices. I will say again, the art is great. Like, I mean, like whether it's cribbing the style from something else or not, like it looks great. The character designs are interesting, especially again, like Grace and Calliope. Like I I think Calliope in particular was like a, a design that I really liked. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really think this was going to be a thing that I would play. And I came to the demo thinking it's not going to be a thing I want to play. I don't know. I have much less to say about it than you do. For me, it it just sort of fell flat is is kind of what I came away with. But um, yeah, I don't know. An idea that I would like to see explored maybe in in other games with with maybe more to say. Yeah, it's a good concept that needs to be executed perfectly. (laughs) And, and, you know, I will say also like... Something that we talk about all the time on the show is like, and just to ourselves, is like the the lack of uh, originality in a lot of larger mm-hmm. games and the idea of like people tend to tread the same paths and just reuse mechanics. And it's cool to see them taking this big swing and like trying a new thing like this is like it's building itself as like the musical RPG or whatever. 
And if this is going to be a thing that could ever work, there has to be a first one. And like, those are very rarely the ones that really succeed. So like, even if this is something that like, I don't particularly like, and that you actively loathe, I am still happy to see like, such a such an interesting concept being attempted Mm -hmm. like i always say i would rather see someone take a big swing and completely whiff than like not try at all and yeah that kind of feels like what this might be for yeah for both of us at least well uh i mean switching to a game that uh i think we're much both of us are much more positive about for Uh who knows what reason there was then sucker for love date to die for (laughs) yes this was a surprising one Mm -hmm. for me i expected it to be very different than than what it came out being so sucker for so there is actually already um sucker for love came out what is a year or two ago something like like that i don't know sucker for love first date yeah uh and this is sort of a i guess it's just a continuation of that series it's not like a it's not dealing with the same story or anything. It's just like another one of these. So Sucker for Love was like you were dating these like eldritch gods or whatever. And then this this new one, uh, Sucker for Love, Date to Die For, you summon this this other this other goddess. And I expected it to be more of a kind of just like jokey, horny dating sim thing. But there mm-hmm. is actually like a much more interesting story there. And it yeah. gets it's kind of like tender and sweet in a way that I wasn't really expecting. Mm. It is still there's still like plenty of great horny jokes and like the art. Who boy. Um yeah, monster is... fuckers look out for this one. Oh, but for like the art itself though of just the game as a whole is so good. Yes, it's really really beautiful. And it's like it's influenced by like 90s anime. Mhm. If you've ever watched, you know, anything like Sailor Moon or something like that, you'll see the influences there. It does a great job of capturing that style, too. Also, the way the whole game takes place and like it has like a CRTV filter. There's even like the logo of like the the channel in the top. Like, it's so good. It's just it's so yeah, it's just like so well thought out. And like they took that premise and really Mm -hmm. stuck to it and did such a good job of that. What I found so compelling about it is that it was so good at jumping back and forth between its two different modes and also melding them, which is like the the horror element and the kind of like dating romance element. Mm-hmm. And it was really good at melding them at times when it needed to, but also just fully going into them. Like w- the main thing you do at one point in this game, in this demo is you like walk through the protagonist's old house and it is terrifying. Yeah. Every time I like clicked, like opened a click to open a door, mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck is going to be behind this door? I was thinking a lot of the original Resident Evil, because in the original oh, Resident totally. Evil, every time you go into a new room, there's a door animation. And I was thinking in my head and I literally said this out loud. I was like, in the original Resident Evil, there is one singular moment where there's a door animation. And before the animation is over, zombies come in at you and it like breaks your safety because you're supposed to be like, well, the animation is safe. And the way uh, Sucker for Love Date to Die for does is you click to go into a next room and it puts you up close to like the sliding door. So you have to sl- physically slide it to reveal what's behind. And I was like, one of these fucking times I'm going to do it and something's going to happen and I'm going to lose it. It is such a great, simple way of building tension, Mm -hmm. of just making you pull that door open. Like, just so successful. But then I would get to the, like, to the parts when you're talking to Roxanne, who's the, you know, the goddess, and I immediately, like, I'm, it's funny, it's Uh well-written, it's very horny, and it's so good. Yeah, the writing is really, really good. Like, again, it was like, I was kind of expecting it to be more jokey and just whatever, but it's like, 
Yeah. Totally solid writing. The voice it's, acting it's, is phenomenal. Is yep. Uh-huh. Made me mm-hmm. feel things. And there is like the sort of central uh mechanical conceit of the game is you you find this book that you use to summon this goddess because you're trying to escape this town that's full of cultists and you go about like all doing all these rituals to like to help her whatever help her escape and so the like to perform these rituals you have to like gather certain items like go throughout the house and find these things and it's like again like it's this cool blending of horror and like comedy because you are there's so much tension when you're moving through the house like we were saying and then like the things you have to find have these like they're often like very horrific but also have very funny descriptions along with them and like the even the spell book itself has little like jokes Mm. written in the margins and stuff and it's just a cool little like puzzle where you have to follow these directions like to the t and like there's only a few in the demo but again i can kind of see them getting more complex as they go i one of the most charming parts of this demo that made me really love this game is the second spell that you have to do is like you meet Roxanne, the goddess, and then she's like, cool, I will help you get out. What you should do is you should do this other spell in the book that summons your like ideal partner and they will help you. And so you collect the things to do and then you do that spell and you summon Roxanne again (laughs) because you just think she's so hot and you're in love with her and you summon her and then she appears and she's like blushing like crazy because she's like, Mm -hmm. um, I'm what (laughs) yeah yeah and that's the thing that's what it's like there's parts of it like that that are just like very sweet and yeah not at all what i was expecting like Mm -hmm. i was i was i was excited to play this because like it was just like oh it's just this goofy Mm -hmm. horny thing but i was i came out of it being like i'm actually really looking forward to this game like it's it seems really cool not only did i come away from this like really liking it and wanting to play the next game the first thing i thought was I should buy the first one and play that right I immediately right now. bought the first one. Yeah. yeah. As soon as I finished, I wishlisted this one and bought the first one. Exactly. Um, yeah. So that was like, honestly, like maybe one of the biggest surprises for me from this entire festival Same. was just like how how good this one was. So yeah, very much looking forward to it. Uh, another actually like very positive surprise for me was Time and Galaxy, which is one that I hadn't heard of before. I think we both just kind of like found it on the list and we're like, oh, this looks cute. It's a journalism simulator. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. You play as this little robot intern who works for this, like, you know, sci-fi newspaper or whatever. And you show up on your first day as an intern and they just, like, send you out on reporting tasks. It's, like, just a cute, funny little game. But um, the the sort of, like, core mechanic of it is going to the scene where like a story is playing out and interviewing like you know looking on the scene to find mm-hmm. like you know hints of what happened and interviewing witnesses who are on the scene uh and using that to put together uh, a story and and i think it's there's sort of like two phases there and one is like the like interviewing and like finding finding background and then there's a phase that is like building the story and i think they're both they both have really interesting mechanics to them where to like interview witnesses you talk to people and you just have like a a set of like, it'll give you like three questions usually that you can ask. And as opposed to a lot of games where it's just like, you can just run down the list. You only get to ask one of those questions for most of those sets. So you have to actually be thinking like, what is the right question to ask that will get me like the best information from this person? And once you like finish those out, you can't go back to them. Like you just get what you get. And then based on what you collect throughout that process you go into this like build a story mode where you choose like the headline the lead some supporting information added color and it's like 
you can choose, do you choose the thing that's like the most informative or the most sensational or the most humanizing? And then when you, when you file your story, when you submit your story, you gain readership in certain areas. And so I was losing my mind. Yeah. It's oh like, and God. yeah, part of it is just like, it's fun to pretend to be a journalist again, but it's also, it's just like, these systems are like really well thought out and like, they're just like really cleverly implemented. And it's like a, it's like a funny game. Like it has a lot of, a lot of heart and a lot of character. It's a pretty like, extensive demo also. Yeah. I didn't even play the, finish the whole demo. Yeah. Like it, it goes for quite a while. Um, I want to point out my favorite moment playing this demo is when we got to the first like place that you're doing a story we were supposed to start picking questions and Zoe was like, no, we should pick this one. And I looked at her and I was like, I have a master's degree in journalism. Which one of us is the journalist You're going to tell me how to interview these people. It was very funny. Um, yeah. Something that I think is really, re- really neat. And I want to point this out is mm-hmm. this actually goes back to connecting to Stray Gods. One of the head writers of Stray Gods is an ex-Bioware writer which Mm -hmm. hypothetically makes sense. It's about role-playing and like kind of making these choices. The person who wrote Times and Galaxy is also an ex-Bioware writer. Interesting. And it's like interesting to see the elements of both of that style in these two different games. And I think Times and Galaxy pulls it off so much better and how the writing... The writing is so good in this game. I'm like, it is. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we might be the exact mark for this kind of game because it's <laughs> yeah. like, right. Good not disclaimer only, to add there. Yeah, not only are we journalists and like, I like I was trained in investigative journalism, so it's mm-hmm. hilarious to do this. But like now I also am a video games journalist. So it's like to combine those and have this, it's like I, I lost my mind playing this game. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah. The writing is like kind of, Saturday morning cartoony and I mean that in the absolute best possible way like it's just so bright and so vivid and like I don't know there's such a heart to this game like it's just every every interaction is so fun and and so clever it was like one of those things where I was like this might be too inside baseball but I don't care because every joke they make when you get to the like when you get to the newsroom and you start meeting all the other writers I was cackling (laughs) at so much of that color Richard Galaxy who's the asshole um, opinion Uh writer and I was so zo Zoe was laughing so hard because I was someone who like did a lot of opinion writing in like school. And like, as you know, I am a very opinionated writer. (laughs) And this character, this character is like the biggest douche in this game. And he says something really funny where he's just like, opinion writing takes nuance. It has a voice. And Zoe's just like, that's fucking you. It's yeah, that is you. Oh, man. It's you, dude. Mm -hmm. Good game. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's like, that's like kind of all there is to this game this this game like it's like just going to scene to scene and like interviewing and writing stories and then hang out in the newsroom and like again like it was one of the most positive reactions that i had like Absolutely. i played this game and just instantly wishlisted it i'm yeah. like so excited for this game now i'm just yeah i was blown away by how fucking good this thing was you i'm gonna say this and then you can make the decision if you should cut it out or not because mm-hmm. i'm not sure i this was a moment where i felt so I regretted my past choices because I had been offered the chance to preview this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I was just, for whatever reason, you know, I didn't take it up. Unbelievable. And then I played it during uh, Ludonericon and I was like, oh man, fuck. I, I could have been a tastemaker. Yeah, you fucked up. I did fuck up. 
So the next one on our list is one that you played during Ludo Naricon and I've actually played beforehand, mm -hmm. um, which was Slay the Princess. And I want to I want to hear what you thought of it. Yeah. So this is another one that is pitched as a, like a kind of horror, quote unquote, dating sim, just in the sense that you are like choosing dialogue choices to like build your relationship with a person. But it's it's very different from that. Like it, it reveals itself quite quickly to be something very different mm -hmm. where you play as this like the hero is like your character and you, your job is to go to this cabin in the woods where there is a princess chained up in the basement and you're told that you have to kill her because otherwise the world will end. And like right off the bat, the, you're told this by like a narrator character who's just like, here's where you are. You have to go do this. And you can immediately start like fighting with the narrator and being like, no, I'm not going to go just kill this random woman in a house because you told me to. And so one of like the first things that jumped out to at me was the kind of antagonistic relationship you can have with the narrator mm -hmm. who is like setting the tone. And like, I just love that idea of like, we think of a narrator as someone who's just sort of like dispassionately describing what's happening. But the narrator in the story is actually one who is trying to get you to complete the story like the way that you're supposed to. Uh, and a big part of this game is you deciding whether to go along with them or not and like questioning them and like questioning their role in the events that are happening uh which i thought was really interesting there's also like there's a lot of ways in which if you do choose to like defy the narrator they will get mad at you and like get really sometimes just really petulant with you and just make these really snide remarks which are very funny the writing i think is really sharp uh the, the voice acting for the narrative character is also really excellent like you can kind of like feel them getting annoyed with you in a really fun way and then you go into this cabin and you kind of make your choice as to whether you're going to like what you're going to do about the princess. You can try to kill her. You can try to free her. You can uh, or just like lock her and just be like, I can't deal with this. I'm just going to leave her down there and like just go away. And you very at least in my the thing that I did, you very quickly end up. So I chose to just like keep her locked. I was just like, just give me some time to think. I'm going to keep her locked down there. I'm going to go upstairs and just just think this over. And she like basically like busts out of the basement and kills you. And then you wake up in the woods again, and the narrator is like, it says the same line as before. It's like, you're here to do this thing. You have to go to the cabin and kill the princess. And it very quickly reveals itself to be like a sort of time loop thing where you are repeating the same thing over and over and possibly making other choices. And then there are other like aspects of your character that start getting revealed. Like there's like the paranoid who shows up as a character and is like telling you like, no, like we got to get out of here and and kind of as a foil for the the narrator. So the demo is quite short. There's like not not a huge amount of like variation that you start to see. But you do, I did start to see the seeds of this thing of like through these time loops, you can probably kind of discover what's actually going on here and like, you know, make a choice that eventually like breaks you out of this time loop. But it was another one that I was like very surprised by. Like it was just, it was not what I was expecting from it. I really enjoyed it. I like had a great time with it. I again, wishlisted it and bought the developer's previous game as soon as I was done with it. Just, yeah, I, and to repeat myself once again, the art is fantastic. It's this kind of like pencil drawing, like lots of um, like hatching kind of style. It just looks really gorgeous. Uh, and I just, I really dug it. It's like, I'm, I'm again, very excited to play it when it finally comes out. I'm, yeah. I'm curious to hear you though, because you, you had some experience with this as well. I mean, if you want to know my thoughts, you can read them on inverse.com. Yeah, I guess you could do that. Um, or, but... you know, you could just like... <laughs> No, um, I, I really liked this demo when I got a chance to preview it um, a few months back. Um, it was really interesting. I love games that kind of give you the option to fight against the narrative and like mm -hmm. kind of push against the bounds. It's it's really fun. I love that kind of meta story. I was really struck by the writing as well. One of the first things I did because I'm the asshole player is the first time I went through the loop, I just did 
as much as I could to avoid doing anything the narrator asked of me um, <laughs> to the point where I literally like, I don't know if you got this. It's there's an option where you can basically get trapped in the cabin first room yourself in a perpetual like void at the end of time. Did not did not find that one in my playthrough. Very fun. And the narrator just like starts really getting mad at you and at some point like almost begging you to like end this because he's like, Mm -hmm. listen, you're trapping us all here. Like you need to just stop. And you're like, no, fuck you. Yeah. Like, why do I need to make any choice? Yeah. There was a point for me where like in that first room, you can pick up a knife that you need to kill the princess and go downstairs. And I picked it up and then went down and immediately dropped the knife Mm -hmm. and then went to talk to her. And there is some just he makes some shitty comment when Dr. It's like, well, now that you don't have a knife, I guess, yeah, go go ahead and get up in the face of this extremely dangerous individual. So yeah, yeah I, I loved all the ways you can just like kind of turn on and just make him so exasperated with you. I just, yeah. It, there's there's a lot of funny. really interesting small variations that I very much mm-hmm. like. It's, it's really fun. Sometimes with games that have so many different choices, I find it difficult to get invested in like finding other acts avenues but this one i didn't feel that i was like really Mm -hmm. interested in trying my best to find the weirdest little differences that i can do and see how they would affect things i'm like really hopeful to see how that kind of goes out to a larger extent when it Mm -hmm. like upon a final release um it's very intriguing yeah yeah the writing is just so clever and and not just like on like a you know like a stylistic like sentence level it's Mm -hmm. very clever and also the ways that it lets you play with a narrative i think it, it has it has interesting ways of doing that that are that go deeper than just like do what he says or don't like you said there's little minor variations like there's a lot of ways that you can choose how to how to approach sabotaging him or not that mm-hmm. i think is just like just just really really smart so i was very into that yeah um another game that we both played for the first time uh was locomotive uh which i feel like is a very much a game that's extremely up your alley to begin with. It is. It is a game that is very up my alley. It's the style and the genre is it's a point and click adventure game. It is very clearly inspired by the LucasArts games um, like Secret of Monkey Island and all of that. I really like it. It's something I really love is the narrative itself is that it's a it's it's like a murder mystery. It's essentially like an Agatha Christie novel almost, but with the LucasArts like humor twisted onto it. And I found this genius. I think it's the perfect like world and narrative for this genre of game because it's all about finding bizarre ways to get through puzzles mm-hmm. um, and just talking with people. And this is the whole point of Ludonericon is like, I thought the writing in this game was so charming. And it was it really had that like, you know, the the hardest things in games is always humor and romance. And there's an accomplishment of like almost all Ludonericon games is that they usually do one or both of these things and they do it well. Mm -hmm. And Locomotive does humor so well which is really hard. Like I find today most the only games that do humor typically very well are the are the double fine games and stuff like that. It's so fun. I really loved it. I thought it was a really short little fun demo that it made me want to play the next the 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 full game. Like mm-hmm. there're just these little moments like you you get to a room 
with like these cultists and they say this big prophecy and like it's so it's just bizarre and funny and then you can ask them like but what does that actually mean and then they'll respond why should i know this is the demo yeah there was a lot of that like fourth wall breaky stuff of like we can't do that in the demo uh just because i need to i do want to shout out i think uh analgesic productions is makes some of the funniest games that are that are being made right now because you shouted out double fine as well i think they're they're brilliantly funny so as much as this is a game that is made for willa it is a game that is not made for robin it's just not a genre of game that i particularly enjoy and i think it is largely because of that style of puzzle of Mm -hmm. just like kind of figuring out weird ways to solve them that you wouldn't like logically come to i will say you described the writing as charming the first thing on my notes here under the heading like locomotive is all caps charming i do not like this type of game i loved this demo it was like you said the writing is so good like so sharp so funny there's just so many weird little interactions that you have that that are again i was just like laughing out loud at it like it, it strikes this perfect tone between like the murder mystery is real like it's it's you you are there to like solve the murder mystery that is like you have to like kind of take seriously the idea of solving it mm-hmm. but it has such a like a lighthearted tone yeah just there's just so much clever writing like you mentioned that yeah like it feels like an agatha christie thing like it has an interesting way of like being extremely tropey but in a totally positive way like it, it uses those like to such a good de- extent and like you can even see in this this short little demo these sort of details stacking up that are probably going to become important later like there's a painter who like paints the scene of the murder and also paints the the woman who's murdered like earlier there's like a guy who's creeping around your room at one point there's just like all these little elements where you're like oh i know that's going to come back to get me and i will say some of the puzzles were also really clever like when you get a napkin at the bar and you can also pick up a lemon and use like the lemon juice to reveal like a secret message like I went into this just like, I know you're going to play it, so I should play it so we can talk about it. And I was like, oh, this is actually really good. Mm -hmm. Like, this might be like the first one of this type of point and click adventure that I actually really do play and and, like see through to the end. I was pretty blown away by how much I enjoyed this. The one example of a type of game that I generally don't enjoy at all. It's so, so well done. Yeah, I'm like, it's it's still to this day a genre that like doesn't get made enough anymore. Mm -hmm. And like... The, the two examples that I can think of in semi-recent memory that I very much love is Return to Monkey Island from last year, which I absolutely adored. And then um, Broken Age, which is, an, it's mm-hmm. like an older game at this point, but it's similarly, you know, Double Fine wanted to try to make a LucasArts game again. And it works mostly. And I, I'm just so happy that like somebody is like, I want to keep making this kind of game. And they have the like the ability to pull it off so well. Yeah, I was super surprised this by this again. Like another theme of this 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 little festival was like being surprised by things. And this is like this is one of the weird cases where most of the ones that surprised me were like this is a very different game than I expected it to be, mm-hmm. and that's what I like about it. This one is exactly what I expected it to be, but I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. Yeah. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, and the final one that I played that you didn't, I just want to like very quickly shout out is 1000 Times Resist. I didn't get the chance to play too I only got a chance to play a tiny bit of this demo, so I don't have too much to say about it. But it's a game where you are a clone in this like sci-fi dystopian future that is like populated like entirely by clones, and you all worship the all mother who is like the last remaining like original human. And the story is told like you start out in this school and you are 
you're there searching for something that it doesn't make entirely clear at first, but you need to find some information that has to do with the All Mother. And very quickly, it, it reveals this mechanic of being able to go backward and forward in time to see like significant points in the All Mother's life. Like this is a thing that is reconstructed from her memories. Mm-hmm. So you can only see what was seen like, you know, back then. And it has a really interesting way of using like past and present to fill out the story and like leaving gaps that are like things that she wouldn't have known. So you can't know. So there are like gaps in the record that like, I think it has some interesting ways of playing with that. And again, because you didn't play it and because I only played a little bit of it, I don't have like a ton that I want to say about it, but it has this really fascinating mechanic and like a mystery at the core of it that seems really compelling. So something that I do definitely want to check out more of, I'm going to probably try to play more of the demo while it's still available. Uh, And something I definitely will keep an eye on uh, and I would definitely recommend people people check out. It seems very fascinating. From what I saw, I was like, this is really, really intriguing. And I, I like, they seem to have a lot to say about the idea of of memory itself and what it allows you to know about a person. Yeah. So there's a lot of interesting ideas going on. So I would definitely recommend looking at that one. Yeah. You kind of sold me on it just now. So I guess I'll have to try to play it a little bit before the time leaves. I'm really eager to play more. Yeah. But I think that brings us to the end of our Lunar unless you had another anything else no, that you that's played. It. So yeah, there's even there were even more demos than that, but those are the ones that we got to. Overall, I would say this was a really, really, really great bunch of games. Like I was so often I will I will do these little demo festivals and like, yeah, maybe maybe one or two of them all will be interesting and the rest are kind of throwaway. But this one, it was like almost everyone I picked was pretty stellar i find ludo Naricon to be like really incredible it's yeah, one of my favorite one of things ones. of the year both for like really the joy i do find about it is like truly finding so many games that i that were not on my radar yeah. and picking them up and being so excited for them well that's what i was thinking too is like we've kept saying like man there's like not too much that we're looking forward to this year yeah. like this looks like kind of a light year and after this i have like 10 new games that yeah. I'm like extremely excited about. I want to point out that we are being like, it's going to be a light year for us. Oh man, games really rough. And then meanwhile, <laughs> everybody else is like, what a year for games. We're playing yeah. Tears of the Kingdom. We're going to play Final Fantasy 16. We're going to play Starfield. And we're like, nothing to play. Right. This is because we're perverts. Like we we know this, yeah. but it's finally there is something for the perverts too. I'm very yeah. excited. But yeah, I mean, like if any of these sound interesting, definitely try to get them if the demos are still up by the time this comes out and like just wishlist them and uh mm-hmm. you'll probably have a good time with most of these games there's probably something for you yeah i'll leave links in the show notes to to all of these it's it was just like an incredible crop of games yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about them but besides like the extensive amount of time that we've both put into these demos uh what else have you been up to this week robin yeah, most of my week has, again, been taken up by my bureaucratic adventure of trying uh-huh. to get all of my legal documents updated. And because I spent so much time playing these demos, I wasn't really doing much else. Uh, mm-hmm. I played a bit more of Star Rail, which I'm still really enjoying. So the only other thing I really want to shout out is as another part of Ludonericon, in addition to these demos, uh, there's also a series of like panels and discussions and, and other talks with developers. Uh, you can find all, all the ones that they did on uh, Fellow Traveler's YouTube page still. 
So there are a lot of talks that look interesting. I'm just going to shout out the two that I've listened to so far. Uh, one is called Future Labors, Citizen Sleeper, and Hard, Ship, Hair, Hard Space Shipbreaker in I Conversation. I always tripped over that name. Yeah, I don't know why it's so hard to pronounce. Uh, and that's a conversation between Elliot Hudson, who is the creative director, I believe, of Hard Space Shipbreaker, and Gareth Damien Martin, who is the solo developer of Citizen Sleeper. Two games with a lot of commonality. They're both about labor and capitalism using a, a sort of sci-fi setting to talk about the modern day. They had a lot of interesting stuff to say about the ways that one point in particular that struck me is like, uh, they talk about how like, when you think when people think capitalism, you can think of like a symbol of that as being like Wall Street, right? This idea of like this sort of nebulous concept of money floating around and and, th- and like financial capitalism. But the real symbol of capitalism is not that it is people laboring on the absolute fringes and the the end point of capitalism like mm-hmm. hard space shipbreaker looks at you are tearing apart these massive machines that were built by capital uh, and and the laborers who are doing the work of combing through the junk that capitalism leaves behind there were some things i was gonna like bring up and talk about but we've been going forever and i kind of just want to say like listen to this talk it's extremely extremely informative other quick points like they talk about the idea of like finding there is joy to be found even in this type, these kinds of labor that that people tend to look down on. And I think that's a theme that you can absolutely find in both Hard Space and Citizen Sleeper. The idea that it can be a work can be a thing that bonds people together uh, in even if you are despairing of the system that has made that forced you into doing this work, finding a way to live a good life in the shadow of capitalism can be something that's very meaningful. Uh, and I think that's just a very humane way of looking at it and something that I think is really interesting. Again, I just like cannot recommend enough that you go listen to this. Uh, the other one that I want to shout out is... Sorry, before you get there, I had a point kind of on um, that thing that you're saying about finding joy in these kind of like works. A great piece to read also on that that I'm sure is very good in context of this talk is Renata Price at Waypoint wrote a piece called Hard Space Shipbreaker Understands the Joy and Grace of Good Work last year. It's really great. I'm going to send it to you to link in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is a really good piece. And it, it does. Elliot talks about a lot of the stuff that she touches on in that piece in this talk um, about the idea of and actually, I mean, they both do, but you know, he was the one who did uh, Shipbreaker, but yeah, that idea that there can be a sort of a sort of joy in like the repetition of these tasks. It's I don't know. It's something that I think about a lot, um, especially as someone who has had a lot of you know jobs that are seen as like menial labor or like service work. Like I've like I've mentioned before, I worked in food service a lot. Had a job unloading trucks. It, you know, like things like this that are completely overlooked, and there is satisfaction and joy to be found in that work. And I think by only focusing on the ways that that capitalism is exploiting those labor, it can be a way of dehumanizing those the people who are doing that work. I don't know. It's an interesting point. It's a very complex point because uh, obviously the people who are in charge of making the system that makes it necessary to do that kind of backbreaking work should be held accountable. But like there are real people there living real lives and like making good lives by doing these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just a contradiction that I think often people especially people who are in like our field, like journalism and any kind of like intellectual field tend to denigrate people who are doing manual labor and who are doing those sort of like gig work. And even when 
people are speaking out against the exploitation of capitalism, you can also be participating in the same time by dehumanizing the people who are doing the actual work. Anyway, I'm getting off track. The other one that I want to recommend is called Memory, Society, Hope, and Heartbreak by Marginalized Protagonists. This is a group of developers that includes uh, someone who worked on Venba. Uh, it includes Marina Kataka from Anal Chaser Productions, who did Stephanie. Uh, it includes two of the developers behind uh, 1000 Times Resist and one of the developers behind uh, Solace State. Uh, and it's another just incredible talk. Like I was trying to take notes of things to bring up in this and it was just like everything that somebody said, like it's a really fascinating talk. Like I highly, highly recommend listening to it. It's a lot about like how marginalized identities are represented in games. And uh, yeah, a lot of talk about memory and a lot of talk about like diaspora in particular and the ways that like the ways that generations relate to each other and you can like kind of lose and gain different parts of culture throughout the ages just go listen to it. It's really, really, really phenomenal. And I, I, it's so worth listening. I'm going to listen to it again, like just to make sure I like really got it. It's, it's wonderful. But, uh, to end that, <laughs> the discussion of Lunar Naricon, uh, what else have you been up to this week, Willa? Yeah. So I have been doing a lot of reading lately, but mm. I have not been reading books. I have been <laughs> on a fanfic kick of late. Who needs books? Exactly. Over the past week, I have read far more fan fiction that I care to admit. It's just been constant. I don't know what got me started on this latest kick, but the the ship of choice that I've been reading is Blake, Belladonna, and Yang Long from Ruby, which funnily enough is a show that I watched like the first three seasons of, and then I dropped off a lot, and I really have never gotten back into it. But it's a ship that I very, very much love. And I've just been like itching to read some fanfic of theirs. So I've been reading tons of fanfic. Um, and the one I wanted to shout out specifically is there's this great fanfic called Anchor by Pugoda, which is P-U-G-O-A-T-A on Archive of Our Own. It's a solid 100,000 word fanfic. <laughs> it's 20. It's like 20 chapters. It's basically it's that ship, but it's in a modern setting. And it's about one of them who they, they're forced to go on a summer vacation with their parents in a seaside island of Maine. And they happen to fall in love with a beautiful local, mm. which as Robin yeah, weird knows, that you would be into that. Strange. Which, yeah, as Robin knows, is my literal dream. Um, but it's a really good fanfic. I love it a lot. Read it if you want or just go read fanfic. It's so good. And uh, I highly suggest it. I will. I will take your advice. I want to read more <laughs> fanfic. But okay, that brings us to the end of a, a very action-packed episode. I, of I think this is maybe the most positive sentiment we have expressed on any single episode of Girl Mode. I mean, I don't know about that. I think we've spent a lot of time talking about Citizen Sleeper before. That's true. But yeah, you're probably right. It's pretty, it's got to be up there. So we're going to go reset our batteries and come back as the haters uh, you expect <laughs> us to be next week. But until then, you can find us on your podcast platform of choice. You can follow us on Twitter at girlmode underscore pod or on co-host at girlmode-pod. And you can find me both those places at Robin Bombas. And I am both of those places at The Willow Row. I keep every time I think this is going to this is going to be the day when I finally think of something to say to end the episode which just never is. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Just mm -hmm. go out there and play some good narrative games. Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Goodbye. Go away. Bye. <laughs>
Oh my god, a, a Nana fanfic? Hello. <laughs> Hello. Absolutely. I've never really read fanfic. I feel like I should. I love fanfic so much. Oh, there's a Persona 3 one that I want to read. That's a ship between... It's 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 for the ship that I wrote about, where it's like that one girl who's totally queer, but you can't actually romance her. Mm-hmm. So. Oh my god. There's 49 eco fanfics <laughs> there are 30 jackbox party pack fanfics hell yeah i didn't even understand there's one for jazz jackrabbit hell yes do you even know what jazz jackrabbit is no okay it's a fucking ancient video game like literally it was a game that you could order from a magazine and they would send it to you on a floppy disk <laughs> It's so funny the ways in which the 10 years between us in some ways are like completely insignificant. And in some ways, it's like we're from different planets. Yeah. (laughs) There are two for Joust. I know what Joust is. I would hope so. Oh, hell yeah. 97 for Jet Set Radio. That's exciting. I should read some She-Ra ones. Yeah, you should. I should do that, actually. I love She-Ra. I love She-Ra. Lesbian spider queens of Mars. There are already two for life after magic. Hell yes. <laughs> There's one based on the Lion King video game, which I love. <laughs> it's very specific. Oh, man. There are 271 for Dragon Guard. Nice. Ooh, there's 111 for Dragon's Dogma. I bet they're all about Mercedes. Don't mind me just Googling who this person is. Oh my god, she's the best. Oh yeah, I get it. Yeah, she could get it. (laughs) There's 14 for Duck Hunt. Why? Oh, there are 110 for Miyamura. For Horimiya, I mean. Hell yeah. I feel like I'm in danger of getting extremely into fanfics and not doing anything else. Hell yeah. No, not hell yeah. I need a job. Okay. Where are the girl ones? Where's the where's the gay Horimiya ones? <laughs> where are the girl ones? It's too warm. I need to open my window a little bit. I'll deal with the consequences <laughs> later. <clears throat> you ready to go? I should probably close all these fanfic tabs. Okay. 